this. Oh. Uh, don't move, just... Um, try this. What is it, Toadpipe? Can't you see that I'm busy? It's your nephew, sir. He needs to see you. What now? Well, he wouldn't say, sir. He's waiting in your office. Oh, all right. Hold this. Uh, right here. Yes, yes, sir. What do you want, Wormwood? I'm busy. Uncle, having learned my lesson, I've decided to come to you for advice, rather than attempt this effort on my own. I hope that doesn't mean that you'll be pestering me at every turn. I, I, I'll try not to. Uh, well, what is it then? My patient. What about him? He's not exhibiting any of the behaviors that marked his original conversion. Oh, you mean uh, he's not making any of those confident resolutions the recently repentant tend to make? No. No more lavish promises of perpetual virtue? No, sir. Not even the expectation of an endowment of grace for life? No, Uncle. He seems to hope only for the daily and hourly pittance to meet his daily and hourly temptations. Well, this is very bad. Right. Hmm. I see only one thing to do at the moment. Your patient has become humble. Have you drawn his attention to the fact? Uncle? All virtues are less formidable to us once the man is aware he has them, but this is especially true of humility. Catch him at the moment when he really is poor in spirit and smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection, by Jove I'm being humble, and almost immediately pride, pride at his own humility, will appear. If he awakes to the danger and tries to smother this new form of pride, make him proud of his attempt, and so on, uh, through as many stages as you please. But don't try this too long, for fear you awake his sense of humor and proportion, in which case he will merely laugh at you and go to bed. Yes, Uncle. But there are other profitable ways of fixing his attention on the virtue of humility. By this virtue, as by all the others, our enemy wants to turn the man's attention away from self to him and to the man's neighbors. All the abjection and self-hatred are designed in the long run solely for this end. Unless they attain this end, they do us little harm, and they may even do us good if they keep the man concerned with himself, and above all, if self-contempt can be made the starting point for contempt of other selves, and thus for gloom, cynicism, and cruelty. Uh, are you getting this? Yes, sir. You must therefore conceal from the patient the true end of humility. Let him think of it not as self-forgetfulness, but as a certain kind of low opinion of his own talents and character. Some talents, I gather, he really has. Fix in his mind the idea that humility consists in trying to believe those talents to be less valuable than he knows them to be. No doubt they are, in fact, less valuable than he believes, but that is not the point. The great thing is to make him value an opinion for some quality other than truth, 
thus introducing an element of dishonesty and make-believe into the heart of what otherwise threatens to become a virtue. By this method, thousands of humans have been brought to think that humility means pretty women trying to believe that they are ugly and clever men trying to believe that they are fools. Brilliant, Uncle. However, to anticipate the enemy's strategy, we must consider his aims. Um, <clears throat> what, what aims might those be? The enemy wants to bring the man to a state of mind in which he could design the best cathedral in the world and know it to be the best and rejoice in the fact without being any more or less or otherwise glad at having done it than he would if it had been done by another. The enemy wants him in the end to be so free from any bias in his own favor that he can rejoice in his own talents as frankly and gratefully as in his neighbor's talents. Or, or in a, a sunrise, or an elephant, or a waterfall. A sunrise, elephant, waterfall? Those are examples, you fool. He wants each man in the long run to be able to recognize all creatures, even himself, as glorious and excellent things. He wants to kill their animal self-love as soon as possible. But it is his long-term policy, I fear, to restore them to a new kind of self-love. A charity and gratitude for all selves, including their own when they have really learned to love their neighbors as themselves, they will be allowed to love themselves as their neighbors. For we must never forget what is the most repellent and inexplicable trait in our enemy. He really loves the hairless bipeds he has created and always gives back to them with his right hand what he has taken away with his left. Truly, Uncle, he... He loves them. Yes. Can't you see it? It's the one reason why the enemy's whole effort is to get the man's mind off the subject of his own value altogether. He would rather the man thought himself a great architect or a, a great poet and then forgot about it than he should spend much time and pains trying to think himself a bad one. Your efforts to instill either vain glory or false modesty into the patient will therefore be met from the enemy's side with the obvious reminder that a man is not usually called upon to have an opinion of his own talents at all, since he can very well go on improving them to the best of his ability without deciding on his own precise niche in the Temple of Fame. So, if I understand you correctly, I must exclude that reminder from my patient's consciousness. At all costs! At all costs. The enemy will also try to render real in the patient's mind a doctrine which they all profess but find it difficult to bring home to their feelings. The doctrine that they did not create themselves, that their talents were given to them, and that they might as well be proud of the color of their eyes. But always, and by all methods, the enemy's aim will be to get the patient's mind off such questions, and yours will be to fix it on them. Even of his sins, the enemy does not want him to think too much. Once they are repented, the sooner the man turns his attention outwards, the better the enemy is pleased. Yes, uncle. Thank you. You really have worked out this little performance of contrition, haven't you? Uncle? 
standing there taking my advice as if you don't hate and loathe me all the while? Uncle, how can you say such a thing? Because it is accurate, is it not? Your entire attitude at this moment is a sham. Well, yes. Good. You had me worried for a moment there. True contrition is an act of the enemy's beings, not one of ours. Now get out. Yes, Uncle.